I want this to be a birthday for many of us. And, and I want that birthday to, to commemorate and to, re, to signify the beginning of something. Um, and this is first fruit season, but if the Lord will give you a new insight, then it will spark a new beginning. One of the, one of the, one of the ways your new beginnings begin is the Lord shows you what you did not see before and your understanding becomes clear. And no wonder the scriptures say with all you're getting, get, come on, understanding. I was looking last week how many times the Lord over and over again says to the people of God, you need to get wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And when you don't have understanding, when you don't have clarity, then you are in the fog and you walk in darkness. And the Apostle John makes it very clear that we are not to walk in darkness anymore, but we're to understand what the will of the Lord is. Once your understanding becomes clear, you can make a decision about which way you want to go. If you're sitting at crossroads and you can't read the signs, you don't know which way to go. But once light comes, truth comes, and your and your thinking, your sight is clear, then you can decide. And when you walk in the light as he is in the light, and we have fellowship with that's why we hold hands. We have, it signifies we have fellowship with one another. And then the Bible says that and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Oh my God. How many of you want to be cleansed from all sin? And then you gotta walk in fellowship, you gotta walk in the light, amen. Come on, open your mouth and begin to pray. Father, give us understanding and clarity. Open our minds that we may see. Lord, we thank you that your word is light. It's a light unto our path. It's a lamp, Father, that we may see in the darkness and see our way through. Make us light, Lord, as we hear the truth. Lord, we ask you today, let this be a day of new beginnings with new understanding because your word becomes real to us as never before. We confess only you can do that. Let it be so today. I thank you for this, Lord. I thank you for new pathways, new opportunities, new, Lord, new relationships, new avenues of income. I thank you, Heavenly Father. I praise you, Father. New insight to the people you've put on the left and the right. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for the new ideas that you will birth. I thank you for the new businesses that will open. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that the old pathways are not your will, but you are the God of always giving us what is new. And I thank you, Father. You said, behold, for I'll show you new things that you never knew. Lord, let those new things come forth for your glory, for your honor. And then in the name we pray of Jesus Christ. Clap your hands now and thank him and give him all the praise, all the glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hug your neighbor. God's going to give us new things. He is the God of new things. Amen. New for you means what you've never seen, what you've never experienced. We need new songs. We need new songs. 
We need new instruments with which to worship. Amen? Praise the name of the Lord. Man, what a week. I trust it's been a good week for you. This is first fruits season. You should clap and praise God. In fact, all the prophetic words about 2020, one thing I heard yesterday was very powerful. said, actually 2020 is not the beginning of a new decade. It's the end of a decade. Amen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Then you start over again, right? The 2000. 21 is the beginning of a new decade, but we are celebrating the transition, the end of something passing away. And it is a new year, but it is the end of the beginning of a new year. You understand? Does that make sense to you? And when you think about it that way, you know you want to get it right. You want to get it right. You want your understanding to be clear. To do that today, I want to turn to the scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 1, very powerful. 1 Samuel, in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 1 is amazing. It's amazing. I remember the first time I, I, I spoke about this was several years ago, and I'd never seen it. And, and for many years, in first fruit season, I would use this, this story to help illustrate. And I, I, I find myself back in this story again. May God give you new insight into the story I'm about to share with you. And may you find your face. May you find your heart. May you find that pathway that the Lord wants you to take for the new life and the newness he wants to bring. Because it is here. It's in the word. And it's kind of amazing because Jesus would do this. He would use stories to help open people's minds to understand the kingdom of God. And he would use often parables and stories to illustrate, help people to find out where they are and where they were going. He would tell stories that people could relate to so they could place themselves as one of the characters in the story. And by doing that, a new insight would come. Something to do, a place to go, a, a pathway in which to walk, an understanding to embrace so that when you, when you embrace a new truth, when you embrace a new understanding, it causes your actions to be new. It's an amazing thing. I would like you to, um, I think, uh, sweetheart, you know, um, I, I do believe I left my glasses, I think, in that case right by you. I think that's true. It would be helpful so that I will not say one thing and see another. Amen. Thank God for glasses. They are in there? Oh, hallelujah. I'm so happy. I, I think this is just fine. Thank you. Thank you much. Are you in 1 Samuel chapter 1? Are you there? It's an amazing verse, amazing chapter. As, a, as you begin to read this chapter of 1 Samuel, um, what, I, what I love about the scripture, it gives you, it gives you background and uh, understanding. And uh, so it won't take much time to, to unfold that, but it's amazing how when you understand even the setting, it helps give understanding and clarity to the story. This is first fruit season, so I wanted to lay this before you so that you could, in understanding what, what, what first fruits are and how important they are and how 
huge of a difference they can make in your life. I give you, I offer you this story of Elkina and his wives. I do understand that when this is written, it was acceptable for a man to have more than one wife. In those days, you could have as many wives as you could take care of financially. Look up at me. But it also brought some serious trouble. I've got. I've been talking to guys uh, in, uh, specifically on marriage, and they're having difficulty dealing with the one wife they have, let alone two. Let all the brothers say, "Yeah, sure, you're right, Bishop. Sure, you're right." That was with gusto. Amen. Elkina, however, who was not poor, um, he had uh, he had enough goods, success, strong enough business to support two wives but I'm going to tell you something and the scripture doesn't hold back on this whenever there are more than one wife there is a multiplication of problems uh, the church said amen now there was a certain man from Ramath Zophim, Zophim who said he said he said from the from the hill country of Ephraim and his name was Elkinah and Elkinah he was the son of Jeroham and the son of Eluhu, and the son of Tohu, the son of Zipha, uh, Zuf, Zuf, yes, amen. He was an Ephraimite, amen. They had some names back then, didn't they? Don't, we shouldn't talk about them when I hear some of the names that we name our kids. I'm, don't get me started, amen. Look at verse two. And, and now he had two wives. The, the name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had Penina, she had children. Obviously, she was fertile. But Hannah had no children. Now, this man would go up from the city yearly to worship and, and sacrifice, to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests or priests to the Lord there. And when, they, and when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion of what he brought to sacrifice, for he loved Hannah. Mm. Amen. It, I, it's kind of an interesting uh, detail. If he loved Hannah, what did he do to Penina? Okay. You can just think about that. But the one that he didn't show that much favor to was having babies. And I, some of you may know this, but actually in the scripture, particularly in this time in history, it was con you were blessed if you had children and you were cursed if you did not. It was considered a curse if you could not reproduce. Kind of a man. It's kind of different than today. So Elkina, you know, he, you know, whatever relationship he had with Penina, it was producing kids. But even though he had love in his heart for her, nothing was happening in the reproductive category. You get the picture, saints. Say yes if you do. Amen. And when the day came that Elkanah, he sacrificed, so he came to the priest and he would give, he would, he would bring, the, the custom is when you come to that one time a year to honor God, you would bring a, a, a magnificent gift, the best of your ability you would give to the Lord. 
And, uh, and in giving that gift, the husband would divide it uh, among the, his family and they would offer, it was all from the same house, but they would offer this to the priest and it would invoke the blessing of the Lord on that household. And so it is that he loved, he loved Hannah and he would give her more than he would give Penina. And look here and see what the scripture has to say. But to Hannah, he'd give a double portion, verse five, for he loved her, but the Lord, I want you to notice this, notice this please, in, in verse five, Lord have mercy. To Hannah, he would give, a, how much he would give her? Thank you, thank you. A double portion, but he loved Hannah. Mm, for he loved Hannah. What does the last phrase say in your electronic Bible? What does it say? But the Lord, what the what now? I'm sorry, say that again, please. The Lord had closed. It's not a misprint. The Lord had closed her womb. Now that's a really interesting statement. Because if you run down the references, you'll find seven women in the Old Testament whose womb was closed. They could not, not, not in the New Testament alone, in the Bible. Seven women, it mentions, who cannot reproduce. And she's one of them. In this case, the Bible says her lack of productivity was the restraint of God. Now you gotta ask yourself if it's the will of God for you to produce and reproduce, why would God restrain your reproductivity which is his ultimate plan in the first place? Why would God stop something from happening? You know, and of course, you know, today we take it into our own hands all kinds of contraceptives, all kinds of fertility pills. You wanna have twins, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can do. In those days, they didn't have all that. But the Bible says it, it's, it was the hand of the, come on, the hand of the Lord. You might, I want you to see the will of God here. Because you, to bring forth what you normally should be able to do out of a normal course of life, to be able to bring it forth, enjoy it, to be able to do that naturally, God in his providence, in his understanding says no. That's curious to me. Why would God restrain his reproductivity over the love of a man and a woman when it's his natural order of creation for them to bring forth children? Mm, the Holy Spirit understood that it was necessary for us to see that one little phrase. The Lord, the Lord had closed her womb. If the Lord closed her womb, then all of her praying, her anguish, cannot bring forth what God does not open. Tap your neighbor and say, and neither can yours. What you want God to do, which should be a natural occurrence of his creation, what you want to bring forth, which should be a natural result of effort. Mm. In this case, God says no. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? 
It intrigues the story and it raises before me a very serious question. What is it in your life that you want it to see happen? That's for all of your doing, all of your praying, all of your obedience. Somehow it has not come forth. Something that you believe is righteous. You might, it's even worse when it was prophesied. What's even worse than that is when a different prophet comes at a different time and prophesies the same thing to you and you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm sorry, do I have anybody here that's in the category of what I'm talking about? Maybe it wasn't a prophetic word, but maybe it was something in the Bible. You saw it. said, Lord, why is this not happening? To your knowledge, it may not be an issue of sin. To your knowledge, it might not be an issue of disobedience. It might not be belligerence or rebellion. But you just can't, you don't know, and it makes you doubt whether or not God is the one who keeps his promises. You can't imagine how she must have felt, particularly living in that situation where it does not happen. Mm. And look at verse six. On top of all of that, for her rival, look at underline the word, or circle the word rival. Boy, I, I love Bishop when he said this. You know, you, you, you know, you know, look, here's a, take a hint. You know God is up to something when he gives you a rival to talk to you about what you can't, you know, what, what, what ain't happening. She lives with that rival every day. Can you imagine all her babies are running, hanging on to your legs. You ain't got no babies. You want babies. Her babies are looking at her and, you know, and then Panina is looking at Hannah and I, I used to do this last year. He said, I, I don't have a baby. Oh, here comes the baby right here. Maybe I could get that baby right there. That's all right. Never mind. And I take the baby and I hold the baby. Nah, nah. Look at that. Look. Oh, <laughs> look at his face. Don't it look just like your daddy? Man, she was just like, have you ever had something? You know, you know you're supposed to keep your demeanor, you know, and somebody's like, Taunting you? Have you? Raise your hand if you ever had anybody taunt you, make fun of you, or, 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 or somehow, you know, challenge you like, well, you know, why ain't it happening to you? Man, I'm going to tell you I know what that is. And it, raise your hand if you know what that is, to have somebody, and you can't make it turn around by yourself. We have some of you who have been here a while and, and you'll confront others who are not here anymore and they'll say something like this, just make you just hot fire mad. You still at Metro? Raise your hand if you ever heard that. Look around, look around. As if somehow you have sinned the, the, the worst unforgivable sin by staying in the fellowship of the believers. Raise your hand one more time. My wife want to see. How many of you have people come and you say, you still at Metro? Isn't that amazing? Raise your hand and wave them at me. Now get the other hand and clap and praise God because he's going to take care of your rival. Just, just clap your hands like I thought. He's going to take care of all those who have taunted you. And so if God prohibits what is promised or what is spoken, 
And a rival stands up and says, and in her case, she had to face this rival, rival every day. And there was nothing she could do because Hannah, you know, but, uh, uh, Elkanah was probably doing all he could do. Say amen, saints. And in all of his doing, it, it wasn't enough. But check it out in verse 7. It, it, and, and verse 6, rather, her rival would, would provoke her, how? Bitterly, and what else? He would irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Oh, there must be something wrong. Something must be wrong with you. Well, something must be, because it ain't happening, but you must be cursed. <laughs> uh, it's, it's quite amazing. Keep looking. It happened year after year as often as she went up to the house. Year after year, Lord, she, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would, uh, you know, Panana would provoke her. So she wept and would not eat. And then Elkanah, her husband, would say, oh, Hannah, please, why do you weep? Why do you weep? And, and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? And then Elkanah says something like, this is, forgive me, men, this is atypical of a man who wants to solve the problem. And ladies, don't be too hard on him. The, the deal is, like all husbands whose wives are hurting, he wants to soothe or calm her pain. He wants to solve the problem. Say louder, brothers, amen. But sometimes, brothers, we don't have the right words. And sometimes we are not the, we are not the solvers of their pain. We are not the removal of their problem. Lord, help all the ladies clap your hands and say amen. Sometimes we don't need to say nothing. We just need to look at her like, but I'm with you in this, baby. I know more than one woman who gets irritated at her husband because he feels like he has the answer. And she is not looking for an answer from you, sir. She already know you're doing all you can do and you don't have the answer. She just needs somebody to hear that I'm in pain, I'm in trouble, and I don't like it. I'm sorry, you, you, you guys all right? And so you just have to stand there in trouble with her. Yes, baby. I, yes. I do get that, sweetheart. I do get that. I do get that. And, and, and can you imagine Elkanah? He wanted to be the man. And then he asked her a dumb question. Brothers, I'm trying to save you today. He asked her a dumb Look there, all husbands. Look there. What, see what Elkanah says. This is a dumb statement. Are you still there, saints? Elkanah, well, she says, he says, well, Hunter, why do you weep? Why, do you, why don't you eat? And, and, you know, he's giving you all this great advice. Come on, you need to eat now, you know. Stop crying, dry your eyes. Why is your heart so sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? This is a quintessential marriage dilemma. Lord, have mercy. Sir, it's not 10 sons she needs. She just needs one. And you've not been able to produce that. So what you need to do is just, 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 just be with her. Just, baby, you know what? We're going to keep believing God. <laughs> but don't compare. Don't say, am I not? I don't understand why you ain't happy. You live with me, don't you? 
I got a job, ain't I? You see that new furniture over there? Not buy you that new furniture over there? You over there? Yes, you got that new dress. I know you got that new dress. I, you know, I, I, I'm making possible. I got good credit. Lord have mercy. I'm trying to help every married couple in the building today because something's going on about marriages all over the nation. I need to, I need to, and, and brothers, it's a dumb move. It's a dumb move to try to solve her problem when you can't solve it. You just have to be there. And ladies, please understand, sometimes guys, they are hurting when you hurt because you're their life. And when you hurt, they like, because if your life is messed up, I promise you, his life is messed up. And he's just trying to ease your pain. But guys, daddy, tell him, tell him, doing the comparison deal, that ain't gonna work. That, that don't work. Let me, let me be more clear to you. And whatever you do, guys, when your wife is in pain and she's in trouble and she's frustrated and she can't get, don't quote scripture. Talk back to me, brother. Say it. Don't, come on, say it. Quote scripture. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right, I didn't get no love from the brothers. All the wives say, don't quote scripture. She don't need those words. She need a personification of what the scripture means. So Elkanah, he's trying to help her, right? But he's not doing a good job. He, he doesn't ease her pain. He actually pours, he, he, he pours, he pours salt in the wound. He, he, because this ain't, I, I can't get this answer from you. I've been trying to get it from you from ever. I'm trying to drain you dry and this ain't happening. So like, you know, I know you ain't the one. And guys, you're going to have to admit there's some things you just can't. I know you Mr. Fix-It, you're going to fix everything. You're looking at Mr. Fix-It. I'm going to even, even wrong. I'm going to get it right. But I want to tell you sometimes Mr. Fix-It just can't help. No matter, Lord, take this any way you want. No matter how many tools you got, it just ain't going to fix the problem. Check this out, guys. Look back at the scripture. The Bible says, am I not... <laughs> Am I not better than you than 10 sons? Am I not? She never says no, but you know what she said, right? She didn't say no. She probably said H no. But she didn't say no because she didn't want to dishonor him. Because she is he is her husband. And when, when God answers the prayer, it's going to be, that's the one he's going to answer it through. So you don't want to dishonor the vessel. God, Lord, I'm talking to somebody right now. You don't want to dishonor the vessel that God has given you. Check that out. Check it out and see what happens next. So she, uh, you know, in her pain, look at verse 9. And Hannah rose after eating and, and drinking in Shiloh. Remember, they're at, they, they, they're, at the, they're at the house of worship now. They're at the place where they do all the sacrificing and the, you know, the offering, the giving, and the worship. If I could make this applicable, that she done gone to church because you know, a special service, and uh, she's not happy. 
and, and he can't solve the problem. And, and, and just, listen to me, just, just out of obedience to her husband, verse 9 says she did exactly what Elkanah asked her to do. So it says after she ate, she probably was still crying, probably tears in her food. <laughs> and then, then Hannah rose, rose after what? Eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. So get the picture. They've gone to church and it's, it, it's obviously the service is over and, and the offering is done and she's eating and she's drinking because it's a celebration. It's a happy time. It's a celebra celebration time. But when the crowd clears and the crowd is, dissipates and when the crowd uh, begins to fellowship, she's by herself someplace. She's, she's, she's by the, it says by the, by the doorpost. And, 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 and obviously, you know, when, when you're in pain, you don't want to be around people. When people are praying, oh man, hallelujah, they're shouting, and, and, and you're not happy, you don't feel good being in the midst of people that are rejoicing when you don't have anything you feel like you can rejoice over. And so she's over in the, she's over alone, and, and she was great, the Bible says she was greatly, verse 10, she was greatly, interesting word, um, it actually, this word greatly, this word where it says greatly distressed, the word is embittered in the soul. So she'd been praying a while, nothing happened. Kind of like some of us. We get bitter. When you, when you believe you're going to receive something from God and you're praying, praying, it doesn't happen. Then you, and you start unbelieving that bitterness. Start, you, think, you think, well, you know, you know you're mad at the person who's, who's, you're mad at the person who's your rival. You're disappointed at the person that, that you're supposed to receive the blessing through. And you're shown up disbelieving the one who ultimately makes it happen. Because she doesn't know. She knows her womb is closed. Like everything you do and can do, it still ain't working. So, and she doesn't know why. You got to give her credit. Because she doesn't have understanding. But she's still praying. Are you, are you still there, saints? And she greatly distressed. She prayed to the Lord and she wept, the Bible says, bitterly. Her shoulders got in it. You understand what I'm saying? You know, when you weep bitterly, you know, you, you get in that moan thing. That, Lord, have mercy. When you're really hurt and you have a, like all mothers know the difference between a child's hurt cry and mad cry. And God, who's her father, knows that hurt cry. And he's been listening to it for a while, but he wasn't willing yet to take his hand off her womb. Something had to happen first. And here she is, can't make it happen. Don't matter whether I'm talking about a male or a woman, it's the same thing. If you shut your mouth, you don't talk to God about it anymore. You know, you quit praying about it because you haven't had it in so long, so you figured God ain't gonna give it to me, even though the promise is there. You live in derision, you live in doubt and disappointment. You quit praying about it. But she at least was still praying about it. Even though she doesn't have an answer and doesn't feel like there's much hope to get an answer. She's still praying. Thank God she didn't listen just to her feelings. All the people said amen to that. She was greatly distressed. She prayed to the Lord. And even though it was bitter, she still wept. And then listen to this. Out of her bitter, out, out of her prayer, it came to her. And I, 
I can't even tell you. Lord have mercy. Some of you have not got the answer because you have not labored before God enough for that thing to come about you. If it really is from God, I promise you the Holy Spirit, will, he will speak up out of you in your prayer. He'll talk to you. Listen to what she said. Out of her bitterness and disappointment. Are you all still with me? Look at verse 11. And she made a vow. What? She made a vow and said, Oh Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, Lord, and don't forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son. She was very specific with her prayer. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor will never touch his head. Lord have mercy. What she was actually doing, she was quoting, was called a, the, the vow of a Nazarite. Not everybody was a priest in Israel, but you could act as a priest if you made a specific vow. And part of it had to do with your fasting and another part had to do with your lifestyle and, and one of the parts of your lifestyle is you would never cut your hair. If you're a Nazarite, that, to make that kind of a vow puts you in a, in a category of one who, who, who has intercession and relationship with God in a special way. She said, God, if you will give me this boy, I want this so bad that I will give him to you and a razor will never touch his head. I will dedicate that boy in his life to you. Now God who was watching the whole time was waiting for something. For a new thing to happen. For a new beginning to break forth. God was waiting for some words to come out of her. God was waiting for what he was listening for. He was waiting for the words that would come out of her mouth that would cause him to release his hand. I think, when I think about this, it gets me every time I talk about it. How many of you, your dreams, your hopes, your visions have not come through because there's not come yet out of your spirit to God what is necessary for God to say, so be it. We don't mind God giving us a trick or two, an ounce of favor here and a touch of favor there. But it's a whole different thing when it's desperate and you, it's really a deep desire in your heart that you can't do yourself. And God said, I want a relation, such a relationship with you that you are so desperate for what you want. You're not looking any place else for it. You have come to the only one who can really make it happen. She can't go to Elkanah for this. She sure ain't going to Penina for this. But she goes to the only one who has the power to make this happen. I wish somebody would talk to me today. And she, in her own private place, man, out of, out, she prays through the bitterness. She prays through the disappointment. And she talks to God. She said, God, if you will give me this, I will do this for you. What? Put the head back in the verse. Now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord. Eli, he's the priest, he was watching her mouth. 
asked for Hannah? Well, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Now, anybody, somebody who's ever been hurt, and I'm talking about really hurting, and you need, you need God to do something. If you, really, if you go there in the depth of your soul, and you pray out of the, the depth of your heart, you're praying past your shoulders shaking. You're praying past um, just hoping it'll happen. You need God to do something. And you're going to God because you know he's the only one can do it. And you know what? When you pray that way and you pray until the, the, something happens inside of you. Everybody who knows what I'm talking about knows exactly what I'm talking about. If you've ever experienced this, when, you, when you're in prayer and we, we talk about you get a breakthrough in prayer, a breakthrough in prayer is an emotional release before God when you know what you prayed was the right thing and God is going to do it. But it really takes courage for you to go there. <laughs> and so the, the priest is looking at her, probably head turned to the side. The next person, woman, put away your drinking. Put away your whiskey. Quit drinking your... <laughs> put away your wine. Put away your mixed drink. Put your joint away. Why did it get quiet? You've been depending on that joint for so long. It ain't got you with you. It just make you give you a nice little stupor and make you forget for and give you a nice get in the, you know have a little reprieve for a moment. But the real deal, you ain't got what you want. So to cover up your pain, you go back, right? Well, she, the, the priest said, put away your put away your wine, put put away your put away your fix, put away your 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 um, your what's, yeah, yeah, substitute. Yeah, that's another word I'm looking for. Put away your uh, vice, whatever vice you're using look down there you'll see the priest said the woman said no no lord don't consider me a worthless woman I'm praying because I'm provoked in other words I need God to answer this even an old priest who's wore out and used up and at the end of his days recognizes when the real deal is going down. A further investigation as he looked at her he realized oh because I, I suspect that Eli hadn't seen this for a long time. Of course the conduct of Eli's sons might have given some indication that you know, spirituality was not at an all-time high in Israel. But when this woman starts, have you ever been in a situation where, you know, somebody, you don't know them, and they start praying, and you just know that you know? They know God? That was that kind of thing. Because first there were no words, right? She just moving the mouth, like, because <laughs> sometimes you can, be, you can be so deeply anguished that you don't know what to say. And she, uh, she said, no, Lord, please, don't consider me a worthless woman. Are you all there? And Hannah was speaking in her heart, the Bible says. In verse 13, 
in verse 14, she said, I, she said, he, he, he says, put away your drink or your wine. And Hannah says, no, Lord, I'm oppressed in spirit. Verse 16, 1 Samuel 1 and 16, don't consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. I've been provoked. Here's what, here's what I get concerned about. What is provoking you? Are you just sliding, skating, hoping you get through all right? Did you not remember what, what did, you, did you not remember what God promised you? Have you forgotten the great life that you envisioned in days past? Have you put aside the dream, the thing that turns you on because it's been so long having not received the answer? Are you just, I'll get by? Are you acting like God don't hear you? I feel you back there. Amen. Indeed. Are you still with me? So let's end the story. Because I believe our story's in her story. Mm. Eli said to her, okay, I, I, oh, I see. And he has the authority. And he says, go in peace and may the Lord of Israel, may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. That's all he said. Tap your neighbor and say, and that's all she needed. <laughs> now I have, I've seen my wife, she, she's like, she has a, a wonderful prophetic gift. And I've seen my wife not even thinking about it. She doesn't say, well, I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet. No, 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 no. She'll be talking to somebody and she'll just come out the blue. She'll just say, she'll make a statement. The person just go like this. Well, how could you know this? And when she says it, it's like something clicks inside of people. Like, oh, all right, so be it, okay. It's like in this, in this sense, um, when, the, when, the, when the chief priest, who's Eli, everybody else is talking, nobody's patronizing around him. You know, normally if you're the chief priest and you're popular, people, everybody's around you because they want to be blessed. But if you read about Eli's story, he's not that popular because his sons have messed up his reputation. So obviously after this, after this worship service, people are everywhere else, but she's over here and he's over there. Nobody's pressing on him and he's watching her. But she says to him, I'm not worthless. Just here's what I need. And he says, well, may the Lord, Jesus, May the Lord grant you what you're asking him. That woman, she sees the moment. She's like, I can imagine her perking up, tears drying up. Ain't nobody talking to me. Are you all there? Are you there, saints? He, 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 said, he said, go in peace. He speaks up, go in peace. Quit this war. Peace is the opposite of war. Stop this warfare. Don't let this, this, do not let your
your rival, do not let their words or actions, don't let them keep you from believing what you know God has promised. Peace be unto you. Is that not what he said? Have mercy. <laughs> and, and may God grant it. Then she said, let your servant find favor in your sight. <laughs> so, so the woman went her way. And what did she do, saints? What did the Bible say? Verse 18. The woman went away and she ate. I'm sorry, forgive me, please. Is that what the Bible said? I'm sorry, I don't have it on the board, so I need you to depend on your handheld instrument today. Is that, is that what that verse says? She went away, she received, she said, well, let, well she, he said, go in peace. She said, show enough. And, and then, what did she do? She went home, she quit, she quit fasting, hello? She quit moaning, moping, having a face hanging down, you know, acting like the whole world don't come to an end. She went on back. She like, oh, because you know what happens to you when you get a word from God? And you know that word is reliable. You don't have the substance. You don't have the thing yet, but you have the substance of the thing, and that's the word. And when that word comes and you know, then she's, that woman started, she went and ate. What else did she do? Come on, talk to me, ladies. She what? Her face was no longer sad. Are you there? Look at verse 19. What does it say? She rose up early in the. And what did she do? Right again. She rose up early in the. And what did she do? She rose up early in the morning and she. You mean me? She went back to devotions. You mean to tell me she quit crying? Oh God! She went back and she started worship. She got in. She goes back to the, in the morning. Come on, y'all! Early, David said, "In the morning, you will hear my voice." She goes back to her her uh, her God-given routine. Now she's not mad with God anymore. Like some of y'all get mad with God when you don't give you what you want when you want it right now. If you don't give me what I want when I want it right now, I ain't going to get up in the morning. I ain't going to pray. I ain't going to read. God, I'll get you. You don't mess with me. You don't even give me what I want. I ain't going to give you what you want. Hello, Jesse. One, two, three. We're almost done. Check it out. She got up. and What did she do? Lord, have mercy. She worshiped God. I thank you, Lord. You are the God. If you really want to know what she said, she actually takes chapter 2. If you take chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, you can see what her worship was like. I won't get into it, but it's powerful. It's all full of faith. It's positive. It's reverential. It honors God. Are you there? And so she got up, she got up, and she went back to devotions. I'm, I'm, I know it doesn't say devotions, but I'm, I'm helping you interpret it that way. And before the Lord, and she returned again. Not only did she go before God, then she returned again to her house, verse 19 in Ramah. 
and, and when she went back and what, what the Bible said, please read it to me, please. And Elkanah had, just like that, like Eddie Murphy in his movie, that we have relations. I'm like, oh man, oh man. That's why I said, I looked in there, I said, they got this, the movie, they got this from the Bible right there. She went back home. She, you know, you can imagine, you know, her whole countenance was different. By the way, I want to give you a key, a major key to relationships, particularly marriage. If you want to engender the love for each other, you can't get it by trying to get to each other. The way you engender the love, the way you grow the love for each other is you go up to the one who's the author of all love and you get that relationship right. You get that voice speaking to you again. You get that person who he is right with your person and I promise you, you'll have all the love you need to give to the mate of your choice. You're your best. You're at your best when God is talking to you. You are your most vulnerable, loving, giving self when God and you have got it together, together. I'm talking to you right now. And if there's a breach between you and him or him, her and you and his, her, you and her, then the problem is not getting to each other. The problem is you've not gotten to the one who gives you an earnest and all the supply of love that you need. You talk to him, let him talk to you. You'll even know what to say. Clap your hands, somebody say amen, Bishop. Some of you are saying, get out my bedroom. I'm not, I'm going to stay right in there, right now, right there. Because if you don't get that one together, I don't care. I don't care how much passion you have. It won't be enough to make you one. And so the Bible says she went home. She talked to God first. I need to play, play so I can help me quit. When you have a word, your future is clear. When you get a word from the Lord, man, you're like, yeah, for real. When you get a word from God, all it, it dispels all darkness. Light comes, you know where you're going. When you get a word from God, you're no longer frustrated. When you get a word from God, you're no longer confused. When you get a word from God, you're not walking in, in that dark, pessimistic attitude that you have. When you get a word from God, it, it raises your suspicions. You quit accusing each other. You got to get a word from God. In this first fruit season, it's about getting that clarity. Because this woman, when she told the Lord, Lord, if you'll just bless me, if you'll just give me this boy, he is yours. I can't give you what I don't have, but if you'll give me what I don't have, I'll give you what you don't have. And he will be my first. I'm sorry. There's no child like the first one. Because you never had that experience before. It's not favoritism. It's just that you never had that. You never had that before. And God knows how precious that is. Did she know something we don't know? I think so. How are you going to make a vow like that? But as I believe she read the scripture. I believe she knew what the Bible said. The first that break the womb, the Lord said, are mine. They belong to me. Exodus says it twice. Numbers says it again. Leviticus re repeats the same. 
when you come into the land, inherit the land that you did not have, but I've given to you. He said, I want the first crops, they belong to me. I want the first, the first that come out of the womb, they are mine, says the Lord. I'm convinced she understood that. God said, if you want to convince me that you truly are my people, then make me first by giving me the first. Look at your neighbor. I said, when you give him your first, tell him, when you give him your first, he'll give you his best. Look at somebody that said, when you give him the first, he'll give you the best. came about check it out check it out so hell she went back to hell kind of had relations lord have mercy thank god clap your hands for relations amen <laughs> you know it's amazing to me ain't no single person clapping like you need to clap for relations because you couldn't have got here if it wasn't for relations so anyway clap clap for relations that's how you got here check it out if you learn to praise him you, you, you know if you learn to praise him while you can't legally have relations God will fix it so you can amen so clap for relations amen thank you Jesus hallelujah check it out saints it says and it came about look at verse 20 and it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived after she conceived that she gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel because I have asked of the Lord. His name means my, my petition. I'm naming you what happened. I'm going to ever forget what happened. Are you still there, saints? Then the man went up Elkanah, he went up to offer that, you know, after the baby is born. She said, Elkanah, I want you to go up for the next few times because I'm not ready to give this child to the Lord. Not because I didn't say it, but because the child's not ready yet. So you go ahead and offer and I'll stay here. If you read careful, you'll see that for the next few times that Elkanah went up to worship, he would bring all the goods because he had, he had goods. He was doing well. And he would honor the Lord. One of the, the highest gifts you could give God was a bull. The lowest gift you could give God was a turtle dove. Huge financial disparity between the two. And it wasn't that one was better than the other. You have to give what you could afford. The, the level of your prosperity. The level of your ability. God expects you to give according to, tell your neighbor what I said. God expects you to give according to the level of your, your ability. So you can't look at nobody else's gift. Because God is going to honor you in your gift where you are. That kind of happened to be in a much better financial position than most. And he gave bulls. I mean, that's a big deal. My God. She stayed home. And, and then she said, I'm going to wean the child. So the Bible says, if you read, I'll, 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 I'll quicken this up. When she finally weaned the child, that means that when he no longer is nursing from her, when that ends, then she went up to the Lord. And this is amazing to me. She meant what she said. She meant that thing. Because, you know, after those few couple, three years of, 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 of weaning, she could have said, well, you know, I don't know if I, you know, 
I don't know if I'm going to do it. This is my boy. But she never, she never waned. She never changed her mind. So she took this first fruit of her womb. And when it was time, the Bible says she bought the child and a bull. So she had been nursing a bull or feeding a bull so it was old enough to be offered as a sacrifice. That was an expensive gift because you got to consider what it costs to get that bull to maturity. And it could have no blemish. The Lord made that clear. Don't bring, a, don't bring blind and cripple up in here. You love me, honor me. Are you breathing, saints? I didn't quite mean it quite that way, but you understand what I'm trying to say. You don't, know, you don't need to be deformed. What, take it the, the condition of your gift, the size of, in the condition of your gift. Come on, tell them. The size and the condition of your gift. Reflect how you feel about God. And so she brings that, she brings that, that year, oh, just right, you can track right on down to the script, to the chapter. And she brings, not only does she bring the bull to offer as a sacrifice to the Lord. Why is this important? Because God never took human sacrifice, literally. You would never slay a child on the altar. God was against it. But you could redeem the child with the appropriate gift. So if you could afford a bull, you, you, you know, you bring the child and, then, and, and you offer the child to the Lord, but you would put the knife to the bull. And the bull would be slain instead of the child. And the child's life would be redeemed unto the Lord. My Lord. This is what we get dedication to children for. She gonna bring the bull and the boy. She brings them both. So Lord, I want you to know. How's that go? I love you. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you that I love you more than anything. That's what she was saying. How's it go? I love you, Jesus. Mm. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you that I love you more than anything. Stay right there, bro. And it's a it's a beautiful thing. So here she comes. She makes him a cloth, makes him a, 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 a smock to put on, and she brings the boy, and the boy's not, I don't want to go. You didn't know the boy ain't doing it. She didn't got the boy's attitude right. Come on, y'all talk to me. She don't talk to the boy every day. The boy's nursing. She's talking about, you know what? You, you are the chosen of God. You came here on a prayer. God granted. God took his hand off my womb, and you're the result. I mean, she's giving him the, the, the history. And she's also, she's also preparing the next prophet of Israel. That first fruit is a bad, that first fruit is no joke. <laughs> More than anything. So the boy's there. <laughs> and he says, now, 
Now go on, Samuel, and I'll see you next year. You know, you, do you know what most kids have been doing today? <laughs> right? Because we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't put them so close to us until Lord, you can't walk down the stairs. You know, you didn't, we didn't program. You walk three feet a child. She got that boy right. She gave that child to the Lord. Gave him to the priesthood. She come back. Bible says she come back every year, having new clothes made for him. He looked and said, "Hey, Mama." Hey, Samuel. I mean, the kid ain't unhappy. I can't talk about that. He living in all in the midst of all the mess. He ain't unhappy. Mama prepared him. Like you got to prepare your first fruit. And some of you might take more than just a notion. It might take a few weeks to get it all together. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You got, and God, because sometimes God will talk to you to give something that has not yet materialized yet. In the same way that that Samuel had not yet materialized in her womb, but she made the vow before the boy came into being. Y'all ain't talking to me. That's why when God gives you a figure and you're wrestling with the figure, don't wrestle with God. Let God give that because He knows how to bring it about. It's a miracle when it comes and it's a miracle when you give it. That's why first fruits are so important. He demands first because he is. That's why we say, I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more. want to tell you that I love by your heads more than anything. So I want you to consider for the Lord today what your first fruits would be. And please, my brother, my sister, attach your passion before God to what you're giving. Are you there? Attach what it is. What is what's your desire? Have mercy, Jesus. As your head's about, I want to tell you, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing because she comes back and she and she and she's, you know, she's supplying what's needed for this boy. And because that boy did not grow up as the seed of Samuel, I mean the seed of Eli, but, but he grew up in the house of Eli and the anointing that was on Eli, the boy gets to partake of it. And the Bible says, and, and one of those years when she went to worship again like they always do, bringing with them their first fruit, their offering, when she went to do that, she, she's about to do it as your head about heads are about this the Lord it says then Eli would bless Elkina and his wife he would bless them and he would say may the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the of the one she dedicated to the Lord and they went to their own home the Lord visited Hannah and she conceived 
and gave birth to three sons and two daughters and the boy Samuel grew before the Lord okay ushers I want you to help me because I want you to I can't believe I went down them steps with my glasses Lord Jesus 